you ever hoped that things would get better? Dreamed of a bright future or looked for a better outcome? You believe in God, but you can't see him. Well, he's there and all we need to do is look for the sunrise. God offers us new beginnings and new birth. The opportunity to lay down our past failures. That's what this podcast is all about. The coming of light. It's about seeing the sunrise and seeing a chance for change for a bright future and about seeing the sun, the S-O-N, rise. It is an open door to the hidden soul where hope, help, and healing resides. Thanks for tuning in to our See the Sunrise podcast for episode three as we conclude our message from Cox Arboretum in Miamisburg, Ohio. This week, we will talk more about who God is and how we can center ourselves through prayer and love. Please leave me a message with your thoughts on the podcast. I would love to connect with you. God speaks in the quiet. Sometimes we want to put God in a box and think that he thinks like we do. He simply does not. He doesn't. Now, we hear him in our language. We understand him in um, the confines of our understanding of our minds. Uh, But he does hear us, and sometimes he, he wants us to be quiet so that we can hear him. Because some of the things that we're leaning towards, some of the things that uh, we think bring us joy or comfort or things that uh, we think are best for us, God's saying, "Mm mm-mm. I have had some of the best experiences with God when I was quiet. And some of that quiet actually happens when I'm um, walking on a, uh, in the gym, on the gym trail. And in that quiet, God will show me some things or show me some people or tell me some things. I have so many experiences of uh, God exposing or giving me insight into a person's life. And that insight is to guide them, to give them help or to give them reassurance. Haven't you ever asked God, are you there? Are you really there? And then someone comes up and says, God told me to say hi to you or God asked asked me to do this with you or for you. And you're like, oh my God. How did you know? We didn't. We don't. God does. And that's what I'm saying. He speaks to us through many, many things and in many, many ways. Um, John 14 tells us when we are troubled, let not your heart be troubled. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. He talks about in my father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. We hear those words during comforting times when someone's lost someone. But those words can be spoken to us during times when we're feeling that dis-ease inside of our spirits. And God is saying, you don't have to be. Your heart doesn't have to be troubled. He's saying, I need you to sit with me. I need you to be quiet. I need you to hear what I'm saying. I need you to come close to me. I need you to understand some things. He may even tell you, you're moving in the wrong direction. You know, he says the very intentions of our heart are not good. And so he wants to align them with his word and with his will. And so he's saying, draw close so you can really, really hear what I have to say so that you can understand the things that I want you to hear. You know, whenever you're whispering to your kids, don't you say, come here a second. And, and if you're my feisty oldest granddaughter, she'll say, what? 
And I'm like, come here, I want to talk to you about something, you know. Let me tell you about the importance in, of, of focusing on, on Christ. And she would say, Nana, what are you talking about? And I would tell her about this God who loved her so much that on uh, there came a day that he was willing to go to a cross for us, that he was willing to shed blood for us, and that he was willing to die for us, but to, to not stay, the, stay there, that he was willing to get up for us. How many people are willing to get up for you? I dare say we can't think of any. I can't. And I have some wonderful people in my life. But God, he's so much greater. That's not to devalue any of my friends or loved ones. And it's not to change my opinion about, you know, love and loving one another and loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's time for us to recenter. It's time for us to get back to who we are who we've been created to be. We've been created in the image of God, in his likeness. We've been created to be like him. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He was a humble man. He didn't feel the need to be equal with his father. You know, he came from authority, sovereignty, kingship, the, the wise God, his son, he didn't feel the need to exercise or exhort that, exert that kind of authority over anyone. And so he's telling us the same thing. He's saying, I want you to have the mind of my father. I want you to have my mind. And when he created you, he gave you a part of himself. And so you have the ability to be like him, to be like me. Now, when you... It's when you begin to understand that WWJD, what would Jesus do? The only way you can do that is through the mind of Christ, through exercising an intentional pursuit of him. My pursuit of him today is intentional. It's purposeful. It's intentional in that I came out to see his creation. I came to see what is it you made? I know in my limited understanding, I could never dare grasp everything that you've done. Not in a lifetime. But think of it. God, who sits on the throne, can see everything at all times and everywhere and in every place. That helps me surrender to him. It helps me see him in a way that I could never see him ever before. In my childlike mind, I didn't see that. I saw this little girl in this little world with no place to go. Today, I am this older girl who sees him with new eyes, who sees him with a new heart. You know, he gives us that clean heart. You know, he renews the right spirit in us, as the psalmist says. He shows us the wonders of the world in a moment. And he takes away all of the pain and all of the angst and all of the frustration we may have been experiencing. Now, I said I would not talk about all of the things that have gone on this year, but take a moment and you take a look at them. They don't bring joy. They don't bring peace. They don't bring unity. They don't establish clear purpose. What they do is divide. 
it breathes hate. But not even that. Somebody has brought death. Some have lost loved ones. Some have agonized and lost homes and jobs. And that's not the way God wanted us to live. We know that from the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine how beautiful the Garden of Eden was? <laughs> As I sit here in this light, in this day, and I think of the Garden of Eden, who in the world would have listened to the serpent? My goodness, he, they had everything. I can imagine it being lush. The moisture from the ground was making everything beautiful and green. I visited Hawaii five times. And in those five times, I still don't think I grasped the beauty of what the Garden of Eden was like. And it was interesting because my first trip there, I remember coming out of the hotel and see nature. It brought that back. And that's been so long ago. <clears throat> that's been over 20 plus years ago. And I remember coming out of the hotel because that was the first really big place I had been to, like, you know, like across the ocean. And I'm like, oh, my God. When I walked out of the hotel, I said, what is that smell? It was the most fragrant it was like most fragrant perfume you could have ever, ever experienced. The essence of it. I, I stood by, and we were in a five-star, by the way. Um, but I stood at the, that entryway coming in by the door. And it was the most amazing aroma. Oh, my goodness. If I could capture that and experience that every day, boy, could I look up and say, wow, God, that's amazing. I mean, how did you do that? How did you create such fragrance out of plant life? And so every time I went back, I wanted to experience that aroma. I wanted to experience that smell because it just reminded me of, of relaxation, of peace, of solitude. And so every time I experience or see nature and smell a flower, I go back there. And you know what I experience now? I experience God. It's a flower, yeah, and it's fragrant, yes. But what I'm seeing, I'm seeing the creator of the world, of the universe, of all things. And when I'm seeing it, I'm thinking, I don't know how you did it, but you are simply amazing. You are simply beyond expression. You are simply beyond comprehension. Who can imagine this God that you are? Who can imagine the kind of peace that you bring? You are the God that even when troubling times came up, when you and the disciples were on that boat and on that ship and you were resting. See, it's amazing that when we're in trouble, we want to cry out to you. And it's and, and you're even being in, hu in your humanness and in your humanness, you needed rest. And so but the disciples, all of the things they had seen, all of the miracles they had experienced. And yet when a storm came up and a tempest roared, they're, we're like the disciples were, Father, don't you care that we perish? The, the King James Version, I like King James because I cut my teeth on that. He says, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus gets up and says three words, peace, be still. And the winds and the waves and the storm subsided. You know, God can speak one or two words and quiet the storms in our life. When they asked Jesus when he came before Polly who they say he was, he said, I am who I am. He said he was two words. He says, I am. And, you know, we can develop two words that can help us. 
You know what those two words are? God is. That I am is God is for us. God is what? He's my all in all. As the old folks used to say, he's my company keeper. He's our bridge over troubled waters. He's our rock in a weary land. You know, I'm glad I have memory because these are the memories of the people that mentored me, who sat me on their spiritual lap and brought me to the place where I am today. They said all of these things and they made absolutely no sense to me back then. And today I get it. I get it that Jesus is our rock. He is the foundation that we stand on as we travail this land, as I look at this path that, you know, we walk on. He is the rock that we stand on and don't worry about, have to worry about it shaking or moving. Um, he is the wind that speaks like he, like he spoke to Elijah in that still. He, he didn't speak in the wind, but he said in a still, small whisper. And sometimes he's saying to us, where are you? What are you doing there? It's not where I called you to be. Why are you running? Why are you hiding? Why aren't you trusting me? Why aren't you giving yourself to who I am? Remember, I am who I am. And I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to believe in every word I have spoken into your life. I'm asking you to trust even when you can't see it. I'm asking you to look at the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. I'm asking you to look at all of the things I created. Do you think I don't care for you? That's how he speaks. He speaks in real language, helping us to understand that he's a real God who loves us more than we will ever be able to comprehend or understand. So am I getting that message to you today? Because that is, that is the week's focus, a focus on Christ, a focus on creation. A focus on recentering. It's a focus on um, the importance of knowing who he is and why we need to think about him throughout our day. You know, he tells us to pray without ceasing. And people have said to me, how do you do that? Well, sometimes praying is not necessarily this whole auditory where you start with those, this whole, your whole rehearsed speech of our father. And, and you go through all of this stuff and you never tell him your heart. You never tell him what you're thinking. A lot of times I like to sit in, on my back deck and there's a lot of grass and greenery back there too. And, and out here it's even more amazing. But I like to sit out there because then I can kind of escape anything that's going on in, on the inside of the house and focus on the inside of my spirit. And when I focus on that, what I find is that the things I thought were important really weren't. Who's important was Christ. Because he's the one that's my guiding, my guiding light. He's the one that I'm talking to. He's the one I'm praying to. So when you're praying, um, it doesn't have to be this rehearsed, uh, perfect prayer. I've had people say, oh, skip me. I don't want to pray. I, I don't know how to pray. Well, praying is just talking to God. It's just telling him how things are going. But, you know, first acknowledge who he is. You know, some people use that ACTS acronym to, to pray. They say adoration confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication, because it's putting him first and then asking for what you need. Because here's what I have found. When you put him first, you find that a lot of the things that you wanted to pray for, <laughs> you don't even want to pray for him anymore. It's like that, that seems insignificant right now. And he puts your eye, he says, set your eyes on things above 
And, and, and when you're out in nature, when you're setting your eyes on things above, like right now, this, this bird just flew right by and I'm thinking, okay, he, is, he isn't even thinking about me. He isn't worrying about me. He doesn't fret about me. He doesn't even care about me. I care about him because, you know, we don't want bird stuff all over us, right? <laughs> I know I can be silly too. Uh, but what it does is when, when we're acknowledging God first in our prayers, we're, we're bringing ourselves back to center. We're bringing ourselves back to who we are and um, who God made us to be. And we're bringing ourselves back to our foundation, why we were created, why God made us in the first place. You know, there is something that I, I work at seminary from time to time as a facilitator. And there's one of the things we encourage the students to do. And we tell them, seek Sabbath. We actually have them write it out, you know, uh, for that day. What will you do? And some, you know, it's amazing because we think we engage in Sabbath. And Sabbath means, you know, taking the time to rest. God created the heavens and the earth, they said, in six days. And the seventh day, they say, he rested. So we think if God rested, <laughs> and I'm sure he was tired, you know, why aren't we following his example? Because when you fill your mind with, with things, it can be burdensome. Um, think of, um, let's think of working out. I hate working out, okay, for the record. Uh, but I know I have to do it because it's good for me. It's good for me, why? It, the body needs exercise. The body needs strength. And when we don't do it, there are a lot of things that um, can happen. There are a lot of things that can fail us. But what God is saying is that I get that because first of all, life here is temporary. And so he tells us, you know, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, and so as we're transforming, we understand that sometimes we need to get up and take a walk, not just sit in his presence, be in his presence. Um, and so in your deliberateness of Sabbath or seeking a time of rest, you need to put it on your calendar. Write it down, you know. Um, there's a, a lady, she writes her menu for the week every week and she puts it on Facebook and it has you salivating. You're thinking, oh gosh, I can't wait till Thursday when she's having chili spaghetti. <laughs> but Sabbath ought to be like that. You put everything else on a schedule. You know, you indicate how many appointments you have, whether you have to go to the doctor, whether you have to pick up the kids, whether they have to be at soccer practice, whether there is basketball practice. You do that all the time, whether you have a business meeting, whether you need to get a sitter for this. Listen to all the things that we do on a day. You know, today I have four different schedules and four different appointments, but the first one I've had today is with God. That's our first appointment. But when I speak of Sabbath, I'm not just talking about one or two hours. I'm talking about a whole day of resting and abiding in him. You know, the different religious affiliations or denominations have all of these different days that they worship. And on some of those days um, are different than others. God doesn't care about what day you rest, but just that you rest. And when we rest, we should be thinking about him and thinking about, you know, look back. God, you know, all of this has gone on this week and you still kept me. Mm. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And when you do that, you begin to focus on, okay, in my solitude, I can see what really, really matters, what really is important. And you'll find that a lot of that appointment schedule might diminish. I used to think that I always had to have my schedule filled. I always had to know what I was doing the next moment. In my quiet, in the serenity 
of the place of creation, a place of creation. I have found that I don't have to do that. I can take one moment at a time and trust God that he'll make sure that whatever needs to get accomplished gets accomplished. Some of those appointments, those priorities that you have, that you fill your day with, they're not that important. What is important is understanding that God wants to meet with you. So in your Sabbath, it's a time to say, okay, I'll spend time with God in prayer. I'll spend time with God and I'll take a walk. I'll spend time with God and, you know, maybe spend time with your family. Not talking about work, not talking about what's coming up, not talking about the kids' schedules. Just the kids say, chill, just chill. You know, when's the last time you went on a picnic? When's the last time you put a, a nice, beautiful blanket on the grass for the ants to crawl all over and had a piece of chicken or potato salad and just sat and enjoyed and laughed and played frisbee with the dogs and with the kids or jumped in a pool. When's the last time you just took a moment and said, you know, and you wait 365 days and you say, oh, I'll take a vacation. God wants you to rest at least once a week. You need a day of Sabbath. You need a whole day to sit in his presence. And there's no better way, again, I'm thinking today, no better way than sit, to sit in his presence than to sit in nature, to sit and look at what he, he's done. And, you know, you don't have to go to the same park. There are parks all over the place. And I just picked this one today because I remember doing a wedding here. And I think of the wedding feast of the lamb when, you know, God will call us and he's our true husband and we're his bride. He's our bridegroom and we're his bride and how we will be one with him again one day. And so it gives us a time to reflect on that moment, not that he's going to call us tomorrow or the next day, but we just look forward to that time. And so it helps us recenter ourselves on the things that um, bring that joy and unity with him. And that's what Sabbath is all about. It's about being unified with Christ. It's about um, seeing him anew, seeing him fresh, seeing him with fresh eyes, seeing him as the one who chose you. You know, that's what a wedding, you know, <laughs> you choose each other. And in choosing, usually we're really picky uh, about who we want to spend the rest of our lives with. And yeah, you know, maybe you, you may have picked um, indiscriminately initially. It wasn't the right one. That's okay. God can give you a different one. And that different one can be so far better than the one he gave you. Um, but in the one that you have and the one that you're with, you know, realize that God brought that together. He talked about uh, the need to be with one another and not to be um, that the communal. Because uh, he said, when he made man, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he made woman. And he said, and the two shall become one. And when we are with, with God, when we are abiding with him, the two of us, we're becoming one. There's no greater experience, I can tell you from personal experience, than feeling that oneness with Christ. You are so elated. Nothing bothers you. It's almost like the world disappears. And you think to yourself, do I have to go back? Do I have? It's kind of like those spiritual highs you've ever had. And I remember one time I was in a service and the, the spirit was so high in me, in me, in my spirit, that I was like, oh my God, I don't want to leave this place. That, that's, what's that's what it means to have Sabbath and abiding in, in his presence and being unified with him as one in, in just for a day. And so what happens when you start keeping Sabbath 
every week you look forward to it. It's on your calendar. You put nothing else on there. And it could be a day that you go to service and you go to church because that's the way you start. Um, as someone uh, I was reading yesterday on Facebook, and I'm not on Facebook a lot, so don't think that, oh, she's on Facebook all the time. No, I'm not. You could always reach me uh, through my webpage. But the, the thing was, I, this hit me. She said, it's nighttime. And I went to church this morning, and I'm still thinking about that service as I'm laying down going to bed. That's Sabbath. That's unity. That's abiding in Christ. That's spending a whole day with him. I could feel how she was feeling. And I know she didn't want to let that go because she says, there, I just feel such joy knowing that I could. And what had happened, we've been away from our churches so long. Some of us, um, a lot of the churches had been closed. And just the opportunity, remember I said God is communal. He said it wasn't good for man to be by himself and he wants us in relationship. Um, you know, in, in the churches being shut down, her church had finally opened back up again. And so it was exciting for her to experience being back in a congregation, being back with, you know, the leaders who were telling her about Christ and telling her about God and telling her, to her about his Holy Spirit. It was heartwarming for her. And yeah, I'm speaking for her. And I think I speak well because I know what that feels like to, to have everyone come back. It's like a homecoming. It's like a revival. It's just like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much I missed this. And I can't wait until we can touch again. And I had never been one for hugs, but I'll tell you, there's some hugs I truly, truly miss because those hugs, those embraces uh, remind me of God's love. Um, we can feel his love even we can't feel the love of others. We can feel God just reaching out, just saying, oh, rest in me. You know, I know things can be tough and I know things are tough right now, but I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I pray that as I've spent this time with you in nature today, that you have been able to glean something that says, you know what? I think she's right. I think she's onto something. I really, really believe that she believes in this God that we've talked about in, in our Sunday school and in our Bible studies and in my quiet time and in my book readings, I, I think she really has, has this relationship with this awesome God who created all of this beauty. And I believe that she's one with him and I want that same oneness. And you know what he'll tell you? I'm no respecter of persons. That oneness that I feel with Christ, you can feel it too. And he wants you to feel it. He wants you to come, come into his arms and feel his embrace. He wants you to feel that hug and that, that the, the love that he has. for, And it's all consuming. It's like the love when you see that newborn baby and you think, how could you not, how could you love anything anymore? I, I can still see the faces of my children when they were born. It's like, and I had all these concerns of oh, how am I going to raise them? And am I going to be a good mom? Will I teach them all the things that they need to know? Can I keep them safe? And I realized while I couldn't do everything, God can keep them. And so we have to give our children back to God and let, let him help us in raising them. And I know I'm getting off. I'm saying, you know, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to end this. I'm going to, but when I think of his magnificence and I think of all the things that he is, 
I don't want to leave anything out because who knows when you'll get back to nature like this. You know, who knows when you'll get back and see the beautiful butterflies that I see flying around me. Who knows when I'll get back and see these beautiful dandelions. Who knows when I'll get back and see these trees that demonstrate the years and the markings of going through different tests and trials of the weather. And yet they still stand strong, firmly rooted in, 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 in their soil. And, and he wants us to be firmly rooted in him. He wants us to stand on that rock, that rock that is stable, that, that, that rock that is higher than I, the rock that is Christ, the chief cornerstone, the, the, the one who our Christian foundation is built on. That I, I, I just can't get over how we're taught so much about God through the beauty of nature. And then one more thing I don't want to forget. As I'm sitting looking, I also saw some weeds. And I can't let, I, I can't cl close without talking about those weeds. You know, sometimes we're so busy pointing out the flaws and, you know, the the things of others that don't align with what we think or say. And as I look at the weeds, and as I look at the flowers growing with them, I'm reminded of the word that God says, let the wheat and the tear grow together. And he does the separating. We need to stop trying to decide who's right and who's wrong. And we need to decide to love regardless of who or what it is. That is the message I want you to have this week, I want, this day. I want you to have a message of faith. I want you to have a message of love. I want you to have a message of centering our life on Christ. I want us to have a message of not trusting in chariots or, you know, some believe in horses, some believe in chariots, but we believe in the name of the Lord our God. The scripture tells us that. Uh, we trust in his word. We trust in who he is and we trust in what he's doing. One of the things I really hope in life, you ever think about your dying? You ever think about when you're going to leave here? You know, we go to these, you know, some cemeteries are beautiful. Go to a cemetery and sit. I mean, nobody's going to bother you there. Trust me. They're all resting. But go to a cemetery. I often think, what will people think of me when I die? Will they say she loved God? Will they say she really, really practiced what she preached? Will they say she was authentic? Will she say she... Will they say she loved even when people didn't love her? Will they say she forgave even when people were unforgiving? Will they say that she did her best to convey the message of Christ? Will they say that she loved him more than she loved herself? Those are the goals I have for life. I hope they're your goals. You know, people don't remember a lot of what you did in the middle. They remember your beginning. They may remember your end, but it's the middle that really tells your story. It's the middle that says whether you stood firm and steadfast. So, you know, I, I pray that I won't be in that cemetery. <laughs> I know I won't. I'll be one with God. My shell may be there. And who knows, maybe I'll have my ashes scattered somewhere. But what I hope is that I left the spirit of Christ in someone's life, that I shared his love with them, that I conveyed a message that 
really, really exemplified Christ's love. And God, does he love us. You know, I think of that song that says, Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves you. I made it up, that part. Oh, how he loves you and me. And he does. He loves you and he loves me. And I pray that you'll take that time this week. Let's make your focus to recenter. Let's pull back from the world, pull back from life, pull back from all of the things that rob us of the life God gave us and sit in his presence, beholding his beauty, feeling the sun on your face, feeling the wind of his embrace, knowing that we serve a God who said, I will never leave nor forsake you. I love you and God bless you.